0: So tonight I'm reading from Luke chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Jesus told him, go and do likewise.
1: Well, last week we uh, paused our series in Judges and we looked at the book of Job. And and the reason for that was that I wanted to give you a message of comfort. You know, these are difficult times for all of us and we need now more than anything uh, comfort. And the Bible is, is full of comfort. And that's what I wanted to do last week. This week I want to change tracks a little bit. Uh, Hopefully, you'll get some comfort out of this message as we remind ourselves of the gospel. Uh, But primarily, I wanted to give a message of challenge rather than comfort. You know, in the life of our church, and we've been around for about nine years, I don't think we have ever had such a great opportunity to share and show the love of Jesus, not only to each other, but also to our community. You know, as a church, we've been praying for opportunities like this for a very long time, that God would put us in a situation where we can share the gospel and show the gospel with our actions. And it seems like God is answering that prayer and has answered that prayer. And so I want to use this opportunity to really challenge us. It would be, I think, a tragedy for us to miss this opportunity to share and show the love of Christ with our community. So let me just pray, and then we'll talk a little bit more about this. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word not only comforts us in our troubles, but it also challenges us. And I pray, Lord, at this time, it would do both. It would comfort us, but it would also challenge us to live as disciples of Jesus in our community. And Lord, as I pray, I pray that as we study this parable of the Good Samaritan, that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us, and that we would go and do likewise. Please help me now, Lord, as I seek to unpack this passage. Help me to be faithful. In Jesus' name, Amen. You know, very soon, this will be the normal family in Australia. Dad's lost his job. Kids are at home, and that's doing mum's head in, because She was sending her kids to a private school, but now she has to homeschool them and it's just not working. And dad's not much help because he's down in the Centrelink queue trying to get payments from Centrelink. Grandma is high risk. If she gets COVID-19, it's most likely that she won't make it. Dad's lost a third of his superannuation already and who knows how much more he's going to lose. And to make matters worse, mum's been trying to get mints and toilet paper at the local supermarket and still can't get it. Friends, that is going to be the normal family in Australia very soon. In fact, I've probably already described a family in your street, if not one or two or three. The needs of Australians are skyrocketing at the moment. Uh, It's predicted, it's expected that over a million Australians will lose their jobs over the next few months. Tens of thousands of Tasmanians have lost their jobs in just the last week. We've even got a number of people at Soul Church who have already lost work. There's already talk of a second Great Depression And this perhaps might be even greater than the Great Depression. And get this, we are also one of the world's richest countries. What does this mean for places like Yemen when COVID-19 takes hold there? Or places like Mali or Uganda or Brazil? The world is in a desperate need right now. Do you remember the book of Esther? Do you remember how Esther was made queen of Persia? Um, And that was just before the Jews faced a massive humanitarian crisis. And do you remember what Mordecai said to Queen Esther? He said, maybe you were set aside for such a time as this. Maybe you were set aside for such a time as this. And I'm wondering if that's also true for the church right now. Maybe God has been preparing us as a church for such a time as this. You know, we've been doing a lot of learning as a church. Um, We've listened to sermon after sermon. We've listened to podcasts. We've been reading books. Uh, We've been doing a lot of talking, a lot of debating, a lot of discussing as a church in our growth groups and one-to-one. And I wonder if it's all been in preparation for such a time as this. What do you think? And I wonder if God's been preparing you for such a time as this. Have you thought about that? I wonder if God has actually been kind to you and growing your personal wealth over the past several years so that now you can be generous to those who need it. I wonder if God's given you extra room so that now when a family defaults on their mortgage in your street, you can give them a place to stay. I wonder if God's been strengthening your marriage over the past few years so that now you might foster a child. Maybe God's been taking you through difficult times over the past few years so that now you can help others who go through difficult times. Has God been preparing you? Has God been preparing this church for times such as this? I think he has. And I don't want us as a church to miss this opportunity. It'd be tragic, I think, if we miss this opportunity. And so I want to spend a few minutes just looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan tonight because it not only teaches us who our neighbour is and what it means to love them, but it also calls us to action. And I think that's what we need right now. It's what I need and I trust is what we all need. At the end of the parable, Jesus says, go and do likewise. And I think it would do us good to hear these words again. So if you have your Bibles, please do read along with me. It all started with a man coming to Jesus with a question. This man was a lawyer. He wasn't a secular lawyer like our brother Jacob, but he was a religious lawyer. He was an expert in God's law. Or so he thought. And so he comes to Jesus with this question. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And that's a great question. I think we should give the man an A plus for that question. I mean, what better question could you ask Jesus, the Son of God? What must I do to inherit eternal life? But I think we also have to give him a D because he asks the question with the wrong motives. Great question, bad motives. In verse 25, it says the lawyer asked this question to test or trap Jesus. So really, he was not interested in salvation. He was interested in snagging Jesus. Now, Jesus knows what he's up to. Nothing goes past Jesus. And so he gets the lawyer to ask his own question. And again, he gives an A plus answer. He says... You should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's a perfect answer. That's perfect theology, A+. But I think we have to give him another D as well because he actually has no idea what he's talking about. He gives the right answer, but he doesn't actually know what the answer means. He doesn't really know what it means to love God, and he doesn't really know what it means to love his neighbour. He doesn't even know who his neighbour is. You know, at this time, the Jews believed that a neighbour was another Jew, and that was it, that's the line. So, Romans, not, uh, not neighbours. Samaritans, not neighbours. The rest of the world, not neighbours, Jews. Jews were neighbours, and that was it. And that's why Jesus then shares this parable, to teach this man and to teach us who our neighbor is and what it means to love them. And this is what he says. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, you can just you can picture this, can't you? Here's this man, chipped tooth, um, blood dried in his hair, legs broken and sticking out at awkward angles, gasping for breath. You know, if you've seen illustrations of this man in, um, you know, kids' Bibles, it kind of looks like he's just had a few slaps on the face and has been pushed over. But this man is half dead, right? He's on the ground and he's going to die if somebody doesn't come and help soon. That's how bad it is. And as he's lying there, a priest comes. He's probably just finished his, his temple duties up in Jerusalem, you know, job done for the day, walking back home, and he sees the man on the ground. He sees the chipped tooth. He sees the blood in his hair and over his body. He sees the legs all broken. He sees the man gasping for breath. He probably even hears the man calling out for help. And what does the priest do? Verse 31. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. No stopping, no questions, no talking, just walks on. In fact, he distanced himself as much as he possibly can from the man as he walks past. After the priest, a Levi comes and does exactly the same things. Same thing. Levites weren't as high-ranking as priests, but they were pretty important. They had a a job to do in the temple. He does exactly the same thing. He sees the man lying on the ground, chipped tooth, blood, broken legs, gasping for breath, and he just walks past. No questions, no talking, no stopping, just keeps going. But then a third man comes, and this was a Samaritan. And just to give you a bit of context, Jews and Samaritans weren't best buddies, right? They didn't get invited to each other's parties very often. During the exile in Babylon, the Samaritans intermarried with Gentiles. That was a big no-no. And uh, what's worse, what really topped it all off, was that they set up a rival temple up there in Samaria. Uh, And this this just broke the relationship between the remaining Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews literally view the Samaritans as holy as pigs. You know, if you're associated with a Samaritan, you might as well go and eat bacon as far as they were concerned. And yet it's the Samaritan who stops to help this poor guy who's clearly a Jew. Let me just read out again what happened. A Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, a denarii was a a day's wage, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Wow. And then Jesus, after telling the story, turns to the lawyer and he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert says, the one who had mercy on him. Now, this was mind-blowing at this time. This was mind-blowing for perhaps this expert in the law and for other Jews who were listening to this story. As I said, Jews thought that other Jews were neighbors, but here Jesus seems to teach that everybody, even our enemies, are our neighbors. Jesus seems to teach you that our neighbor is not defined by skin color, ethnicity, language, education, religion, income, morality, sexuality, or anything else. He seems to teach us that a neighbor is a fellow human being. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you believe this? Do you believe that every human on the face of this planet right now is your neighbour? I know you agree with this. Many of you are Westerners. Many of you are Christians. I know you agree with it. But do you actually believe it? When you see John stacking the shelves at Coles Kingston, do you view him as your neighbour? Or is he a stranger to you? Or Mina, uh, who is an overseas student studying zoology at UTAS, do you see her as your neighbour? Or is she a stranger? Or what about Stuart, who lives in Gagebrook and works at the local garage there? Is he your neighbour? Do you actually believe that he is your neighbour? Or what about Kylie, who is in Risden Prison at the moment because of drug dealing? Do you see her as your neighbour? Or Mohammed, who has recently migrated to Hobart from Pakistan and worships at the local mosque. Do you see him as your neighbour? Or Mark, who just got married to Adam a fortnight ago at St Mary's Uniting Church. Or Sonia, who lives in France and just lost her job. Or little Johnny, who is dying from malnutrition in Kenya. Or Kyong, who is a member of the Communist Party in North Korea. Do you see all these people as your neighbours? Or are you more like the Jews, who just sees people like yourself as neighbours? I think we can all fall into that trap. You know, a neighbour is someone who is like us. A fellow Christian. A fellow white middle class Australian a fellow vegan. I wonder, I I do wonder if there is a disconnect between what's up in here and what's in here. Do we truly believe that everybody is our neighbour, regardless of skin colour, ethnicity, language, sexuality, religion, and so on? And the reason I'm pressing this is because if we do believe this, it means we have one massive responsibility because in this parable jesus calls us to love our neighbor no not just love our church or not just love our family or our circle of friends but to love our neighbor and at the last count there were 7.7 billion of them on this planet now that's big isn't it that is massive But how do we do this? How do we actually love our neighbor? If everybody on this planet is our neighbor, how do we do that? Well, Jesus Jesus tells us, doesn't he? He tells us what it means to love our neighbor and it's quite simple. To love your neighbor means that when you see someone in need, anybody, you do all that you can to help them. That's what it means to love your neighbor. When you see someone in need, Anybody, you do all that you can to help them. Now, that may not be a whole lot sometimes. You know, we all have limitations. We only have so much time and so much energy and money and so on. But to love our neighbour means we do all that we can. That might mean giving somebody a $20 Woolworths gift card or it might mean paying someone's entire power bill. It might mean finding a person, a place to live, or it might mean actually bringing them into your house and giving them a bedroom. To love our neighbour means when we see someone in need, we do all we can to help them. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. That's what He's calling you to do as a disciple, as His disciple. Not telling us to fix the world's problem. He's just asking us to do all that we can. And isn't the Samaritan just a great example of this? When the Samaritan saw the man in need, he did everything he could. He applied first aid. He let the man ride on his donkey. He took the man to an inn and paid the bills. And then he planned to come back and pay any extra expenses that was accumulated. Now, notice he didn't do everything he could, did he? I mean, sorry, he didn't do everything. Uh, He didn't give the man a weekly income until he was able to work again. Uh, The Samaritan didn't even look after the man himself. He took him to an inn and got someone else to look after him. But here's the point. The Samaritan did everything he could. And that's what Jesus is calling us to do as his disciples, to do everything we can. When we see somebody in need, anybody in need, We do everything we can. Is that going to cost us? You bet it is. It's going to cost us our time. It's going to cost us a whole lot of money. It's going to cost us energy. It's going to cost us our our freedom. But hey, however far we go to help others, it will never come close to how far Jesus has gone to help us. Jesus is setting a very high bar here for each one of us. But he's already jumped over that bar for us, hasn't he? Did you know the man in this parable who was lying half dead on the road, gasping for breath, is actually a picture of you? And the Samaritan who came to help is actually a picture of Jesus. Before you came to know Jesus, the Bible tells us that we were broken. We were desperate, we were needy, we were empty. We were half dead. In fact, it says we were dead. We were cut off from God. We were under God's condemnation. We were in big trouble. But Jesus, like the good Samaritan, came and did everything he could to help us. He came into this world, he became like you, He was born of a human. Jesus lived the perfect life for you. You were meant to do that, but you didn't. So he came and he did that for you. And then Jesus was punished for you. You were meant to be punished for your sins, but Jesus came down and he climbed up on that cross and he took all of your punishment for you so that you could go free, so that you could be healed, so that you could be mended, so that you could be pardoned. That's what Jesus has done for you. And now, Jesus just calls you to go and do likewise. Jesus finishes this parable with these words, go and do likewise. Don't let those words just go in one ear and out the other. Make no mistake, Jesus is calling all of us, he's calling this whole church, in this moment, in Hobart, to do likewise, to do as he has done for us. When we see people in need to do all that we can to help. Friends, there has never been any more important time to love than now. This is the time. You know, maybe you've been kind of putting it off, but this is the time. And I fear that if you miss this time, I don't think there ever will be a time you love. Now, what this what might this look like for you? Let me just quickly finish up by offering a few comments of what this might actually look like for you. Um, firstly, talking. Talking. People need a listening ear right now. Uh, you've got contacts in your phone. Why don't you go ahead and start calling them? Uh, maybe you've never spoken to them on the phone again. Maybe it's been a long time since you've been in contact, but now would be a good time to just call those people and check up on them. When you're out in the community, talk to people. You know, it's amazing actually how many people are willing to talk right now and want to talk right now. It's a great time for us Christians to go and start talking to people. And the benefit of talking is not only does it just help them, um, but it also makes us aware of their need. When you start talking, people will start telling you what their need is and then you can go and start meeting that need. Secondly, send out invitations. You know, let as many people know as you possibly can that you're there to help. Maybe you want to do that on your Facebook post, just put it out there. Just say, I'm here to help. Uh, If you need a listening ear, if you need any help picking up groceries or medicine when you're in isolation, I'm here for you. I'm here to help you. Uh some, some people uh, I have heard have already started just writing, writing some words on a little bit of paper. Hi, my name is so-and-so. Uh, I live on this street. Here's my number. If you're in isolation and need someone to pick up some groceries or medicine, give me a call. And they just photocopy that and put that in people's mailbox in their, on their street. Send out the invitations. Let people know that you are there ready to help them. Thirdly, be alert. Listen, send out the invitations, be alert. You know, there, are, there have always been needs out there. Our problem is that we often just don't see them. Look out for ways that you can help others. And uh, lastly, be ready. Be ready to help. Maybe set some time apart. Maybe set some money apart. Keep it in your wallet just in case you bump into someone who's just lost their job and needs needs a, a helping hand. Look, there's so many different ways that you can love your neighbour right now. And it's going to look different for every one of us because we all have different resources and are are different places in our life. But whatever you do, love your neighbour. When you see someone in need, do all that you can to help them. And remember, however far you go, Jesus went further for you. And can I just say, if uh, if any of you who are here tonight or any of you who are watching us, if you are in need, uh, please get in touch with us. Please let us know your needs because right now we would love to help. We're ready to help and we would love to help you. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we hear your words. You've told us to go and love our neighbor. Lord, we confess that at times we have actually been that priest and that Levite. We have seen people in need and we have have just walked past. We've not done anything. Lord, I pray that right now you would stir our hearts that you would give us a real love for people and that you would help us to love our neighbour. Lord, we feel a little bit overwhelmed when we look at the need here in Australia and in the world, but I pray that that won't stop us doing anything. Lord, I pray that you would enable us and help us and call us to do all that we can to help our brothers and sisters in Christ and to help everybody else. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.